0: Nothing could be normal in Mets land. And with no other team giving us any news out there, why not bring in Ryan Finkelstein to talk a little bit about their new manager, Buck Showalter. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB.
1: Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
0: every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you're watching on YouTube, you can just look right there. My lower third tells you that you can call me Sully. Thank you so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen, as we're available for free on all your favorite podcasting platforms, and here on the YouTube. Now, today's date is the 22nd day of December. It is the second shortest day of the year. You if, you, if you're behind in your shopping, wow! But I can tell you one team that is not behind in their shopping. It's the Mets, because they just bought themselves a manager, Okay. Wasn't that a line from Rocky? Didn't Mickey said, You need a manager? Well, the Mets have got one, and not a bad one to boot. Now, scratch my nose and tell you that this show is available on Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. If you have a smart device, be sure to tell it to play Podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Bets with your boy Q and expert analysis from lee sterling or how about this why not locked on mets with ryan finkelstein who's been a frequent guest on this show so frequent that he's coming on yet again right now the presser just happened ryan where are you there you are how you doing man
1: (laughs) doing good doing really good
0: well look at this is uh i had todd radom on a couple of days ago and we were talking a little bit about this hiring. It was the day, the day it was announced. I think it was what Saturday or Sunday it was announced. Yeah. And um, I think we both had a, you know, I, I had positive thoughts about it, but uh, you're a Met fan. Tell me a little bit about what you think about the fact that they've gone the complete polar opposite from their last two managers that they've had. I,
1: they've I gone, think-
0: for, gone for the, uh, a really experienced one.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good thing, right? If, if things weren't working, let's go for a change. And, uh, I mean, look, we knew that Buck Showalter was going to win the introductory press conference. That's what he's great at. He's great at talking to the media. Uh, got a lot of good one-liners in there. Everyone was laughing, having a good time. But what he brings is legitimacy to this team. This is a team that's trying to win now, and you couldn't have found a better win-now manager on the market than Buck Walter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at his career, I mean, I've already seen some of the knuckleheads on Twitter say, you know, he's only had one team go to the ALCS, but Aaron Boone's done better than that. Like, you know, like just you want to give them a forearm shiver to the face because (laughs) he has he actually has a very similar career to Dusty Baker. When you think about it, Dusty Baker has jumped from team to team and teams have won where he's landed. And, you know, the Yankees, lest we forget the revisionist history of George Steinbrenner, that the Yankees were a absolute mess and embarrassment when he was sent to his exile on Elba uh, for trying to remember. Remember, folks, this is what Steinbrenner was. He was always a winner. He was trying to dig up dirt on Dave Winfield illegally and for the second time in his career he was suspended and as what happened in all times in his career when he was suspended they built a great team and he was suspended in the 70s they built a great team they were suspended in the early 90s and show walter and stick michael essentially laid down the groundwork of what became the great dynasty that joe tory inherited and the diamondbacks won the world series with the groundwork that Buck Showalter laid down, because it was an expansion team. The Rangers got to within one Nelson Cruz-timed leap from winning the World Series, and a lot of that was groundwork that Buck Showalter put down, and he got the Orioles to the ALCS for the first time since 1997. So those were not exactly robust franchises. The Diamondbacks didn't even exist. So I, I think this is a great, this is a great signing for the Mets, in my humble opinion
1: absolutely and i think the the best part uh, when it comes to this job for buck is you don't think there's much building that's required after what the mess just did this offseason after they brought in max sure actually one of the funny parts of the press conferences you're not allowed to say any of the players names and at one part buck was so good that at the first i'd say 30 minutes of the press conference and eventually he says Marte escobar and then catches himself and basically just has to stop answering the question midway through it was a one of the highlights of the press conference, but this is a team that is built to win now, and Buck can come in and just try to to bring up that winning culture, which obviously hasn't been there with the Mets the last couple of years.
0: It's so absurd that you're not allowed to say their name. It was like we're supposed oh, to ridiculous. act like we're supposed to act like that. I mean, he's come in to manage players. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to talk about? You're going to you're going to talk about Tiger King? What are you going to be talking about during this press conference here? Slightly ridiculous. dated reference, I realized, by saying Tiger King. I was just trying to think of something on Netflix. The There's film.
1: a season two. I think a season right. two came out recently. So it's not oh, really? Dated. Yeah, season two. What I... the hell else
0: is there to talk about?
1: <laughs> did, unless <laughs> they
0: found out that she really did feed her husband to the goddamn Tigers, I... then what the heck are we talking about?
1: I think and that's spe- what they tried to do.
0: <laughs> and speaking of the Tigers, um, Scherzer was managed by Brad Osmus. And I think I, mean, I was talk, I was maybe I had you on I was talking about that I thought Osmus was because he worked with Epler with the Angels, I thought Osmus was the front runner for the job, and the interesting thing is is that Scherzer was managed by Osmus and was basically nudges who do you want to see be the manager and he endorsed Showalter. Of course, Showalter has a good track record of bringing you know of bringing winning baseball to different franchises, but it was telling that the one manager that Scherzer did pitch for, uh, he was not eager to bring there, and it's also telling that after one year of being managed by Brad Ausmus, he hightailed his butt to Washington. Um, I, I think once Scherzer endorsed Showalter, that signed it. It was kind of like he, we've brought Scherzer in to bring a title to the to Queens. Who do you want? What do you want to make happy? Do you want, would you like a mimosa? What would you like to have? I mean, so would you like Showalter or, or Ausmus? Oh, Showalter. You know, the minute that happened, I, it was just written in stone that was going to be uh show
1: Yeah. I think when you are trying to entice a free agent like Max Scherzer and he asked you, or you ask him which manager he wants, like you said, he goes Buck Showalter, you're, you're not going to deny him of that. And obviously the Mets had to make this a process They had to interview other candidates, but it always felt like it was going to be Buck Showalter's job. You also know that Steve Cohen is enamored by the big name. So I think Steve Cohen was already probably leaning Buck's way. And then when you get that from Scherzer, that's just more confirmation bias that, yes, this is the right decision. The players want it. The owner wants it. So let's just go all in on Buck Showalter. And, again, I think it was the right call.
0: It's interesting. and I'm going to make a strange parallel that's going on here. But you had two teams. And, again, I'm not trying to pour any salt in the wound of what happened in the 2021 season with the Metropolitans. But you have two franchises that for the bulk of the year – were in position to make the postseason in San Diego and the Mets. And both teams, like, as, I mean, as the Padres were a playoff team on Labor Day, you know, they were one of the wildcard teams on Labor Day. And the Mets were still in first place in August. And so, you know, we're deep into the year, past the trade deadline, with those two teams in position. And they both finished sub 500, which gives you an idea of how they finished the season. And it's interesting that both of those teams brought in veteran managers who have not gone to the World Series, but have taken multiple teams to the postseason with a way of saying, all right, we're tired of getting inexperienced managers in here. We have a, both of those teams, San Diego and New York, have a core that can win now and they're not effing around. They said we want Melvin, we want uh, we want Showalter. I thought Melvin may have gone to the Mets, but you know, I think San Diego is a perfect fit for him. But uh, I think this is a perfect fit for both of those managers. And part of me would love to see that be the NLCS next year—a uh, Mets-Padres NLCS.
1: Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun for sure. See those two, the two fan bases, those two teams. A lot of young talent, a lot of big names. The the managers, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a lot of fun. And I think the interesting thing is, everyone wants to point to Buck Walter and, and the lack of success in the playoffs. But for me, the playoffs are always more of a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to really happen. It's you, you 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 get there. That's the part that's the most important. And for the Mets, I mean, you're talking about a franchise that just hasn't been able to get to the playoffs. So if you're telling me that Buck Walter is going to get you there. I'm going to be okay with Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, and Buck Showalter in any playoff series. Let's roll it out and see what happens.
0: I mean, I mean, yeah, this is a the – since two, the 2000 World Series, the Mets have seen the postseason three times, and one of them was a one-game loss in the wild card. Uh, yeah. do, I, do I have that right? Yeah. It was the Giants the when they faced Bumgarner, yeah. um, when he's the greatest wild card game performer of all time, two complete game shutouts. Uh, and then you had the, you know, the called third strike as viewed by Donald Trump in the 2006 NLCS, and then of course you have the World Series in 2015. Yeah, this is a team that needs to get that. And of course, the Padres have only seen one trip to the postseason since 2006, and that was, <laughs> you know, that was because they expanded the playoffs. You know that, and so these are two franchises that are that have long suffering fan bases. And really I think would be, I mean, Padres fans, this would be the biggest event in history of San Diego, but for Mets fans, uh, my, my dear cousin, Dave is one of the biggest Met fans in the world. And even he wrote to me, I'm sick of 86. We have to win if for no other reason than to talk about a team other than 86. So, and look at, I'm telling you something. If, if, the Mets win the World Series in 2022, it is a surefire bet that they are going to be absolutely the most beloved team of a generation of Mets fans. And if you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online, which is your number one spot for all your online bets. Head to the new website or the mobile device to sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers. online it's where the game starts. All right, we are here with Locked On Mets' Ryan Finkelstein, and... And I sense from you, and I know this is a dangerous thing to say to Mets fans, a tiny sense of cautious optimism moving forward into the uh, 2022 season with this team.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the cautious optimism is a good way to phrase it. Uh, you know, you, you can win in any offseason. And I think we saw it last year. The Mets it maybe were one of the winners of the offseason getting Lindor, and then it didn't pan out. So, I think that that's the cautious aspect to it. But if I'm just looking at the team on paper and the additions that they've made by bringing in Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, a lot of veteran bats in that lineup, having Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, and Carlos Carrasco as the top of your rotation, I feel really good about that. The bullpen loss, Aaron Luke, but other than that, it was a good bullpen last year. So out of the bullpens in, in two dire straits, and the Mets are likely to add more when we get on the other side of the lockout. So, You look at all of that, you look at the veteran manager, it's the best i felt about the Mets going into a season in some time, but I'm always talking myself into the Mets every year. So, again, that's where that cautious element uh, is brought into play.
0: Now, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the, the Mets do have some holes they still need to fill. As we witnessed with the Braves, who, I don't know if you know this, but they actually did wind up winning it. Um, they made some of the right moves down the stretch, especially when they lost um, Acuna, who looked like he was going to be the National League MVP. If you had told me at the midway point that the Braves were going to win the World Series in 2021 with the year Acuna was having, said, "Oh my God, he must have run away with the MVP." Um, so naturally it was Soler and um, wait, what's what's his name? Uh, uh, Rosario. Rosario. Thank you um the, who they picked up midseason as basically stopgaps become the big postseason hero which is the other thing to remember about a team like this is that they're going to go into the season the team that's going to break let's just okay, let's just all assume there's going to be a spring training and everything the team that breaks camp may not really be the team that is playing at the end of the year and so i think sometimes people get a little too um, nitpicky about stuff here in, Jan- in you know, December and January, realizing that this is going to be an aggressive team that is going to pick the, the trees of folding teams because it doesn't matter if it's not filled with real Mets or true Mets. This is, has to be a team that they push over because there's a real opportunity to win over this city.
1: Yeah, and and there's you know Steve Cohen in his introductory press conference when he bought the team. I mean, he he pigeonholed himself in there. He said, uh, "I I expect or I would like to win a World Series in three to five years," and immediately put himself on the clock to accomplish that. And it's one year down on that plan. So there is some real stress to to win right now, and that's what they've been doing this off season. If you're trying to win now. You're trying to remove as many variables as you can, so you're bringing in veterans, and that goes along with the manager as well. So all this veteran experience coming together, you're hoping that the Mets will be in position. And like you said, you know, at the trade deadline, even before the trade deadline, when you can pick up other pieces if you need an arm in the rotation or an arm in the bullpen or another bat in the lineup, I think the Mets are going to be aggressive doing that. I think that's maybe why they're going to hold off the trade market in the offseason and address yeah. solely through free agency so that that farm system is as stocked as possible to make those moves that they have to throughout the year.
0: Well, I mean, let's go around. Obviously, everyone remembers that they picked up Scherzer. Um, They also brought in um, Marte. They brought in uh, Escobar. And they brought in Kana. And, I mean, every one of those players are – you know, look at they're all veterans and so they could potentially all break down. DeGrom could break down. Scherzer could break down. You know, they, these are all things that could potentially happen. Or they could it could be like a Clint Eastwood film and they have one more good year left in them. And uh yeah that's Scherzer is definitely the Clint Eastwood character in this particular yeah you know, come on, do you have one more ring left in you? And you know, I told you I was going to retire. You gotta come out. We'll give you a two year deal for all the money. Sure, but you gotta bring in Show. Um, that's a horrible Clint story. I, I do admit it, but, um, you know, this is a win now team. And I thought one of the lessons learned from what the Braves wound up doing when they wound up winning was they made sure there was a capable major leaguer at every spot, even if it wasn't a superstar. And I think, you know, I love Marte on this team. I think Met fans are going to fall. I mean, A's fans fell in love with Marte in half a season and they love Kana. And, um, and who was the other one they got was uh, um, uh, Escobar, who is a good player, a good, versatile player who is one of those people who could, you know, maybe be their answer to LeMahieu or Shella on the squad. Um, I think it, when you look around and you say, who's at this position, who's at that position, you do the Abbott and Costello around the team and every name you say is a major leaguer. I think that's a really good step for this Mets team. To win, uh, I don't think it's an easy division because there's talent in the division. series champs are there, the team with the MVP is there. But I think this is a winnable division that the Mets are just pushing their chips to the center of the table.
1: Yeah, I think it is for sure. Like you said, there is going to be a lot of competition. I, I even look at a team like the Marlins, and I think they're going to be better than they were this year because. They've added some veterans. They they look like a team with obviously a great pitching staff. So the entire division has a lot of talent outside of the Nationals. It's not going to be a It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And that's that, that
0: the team that won the World Series in 2019. Is the one team that you look at. Yeah, they're they're the they're it's, the it's
1: Juan Soto, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean the Mets have a veteran team that is is going to try to win now, and, and I think all those additions that, that we're mentioning are going to be so huge. And Starling Marte, I mean, coming into this offseason, I identified the one player I wanted most, and it was Starling Marte, because the Mets needed a lot of help in their outfield. Their outfield really disappointed this year. Conforto had a bad year. Brandon Nimmo once again with the injuries. Uh, Dominic Smith in left field had a really down year. Now you replace Dominic Smith and Conforto with Marte and Canna. I mean, mm-hmm. two guys are gonna get on base a ton. They're gonna play really good defense. Yeah. I, I love the Mets outfield right now with Cana, Marte, and Nemo. If Nemo stays healthy, that's a really good group to to hit in front of a Pete Alonso where he should be able to rake a lot of RBIs as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, not that these guys are the um uh, the kind of the speedsters and the jackrabbits of the the Cardinals of the nineteen eighties, but it almost is they're almost putting together a team with like Athletic good players to you know get on base, be able to go first to third, and when Alonzo comes up, it'll be a three-run homer. I mean, the way the Cardinals were designed because they were playing on AstroTurf and they had I think Willie McGee like stole like 70 bases and was third on the team. You know, they just like they were just Vince Vince Coleman batted 230 and had 110 stolen bases. I mean, it was just they just everyone was just running top speed on that team and going first to third. And, you know, and, but there's a great emphasis and they would have like Jack Clark in the middle of the lineup to hit the homer to be a three run homer. Um, It's not exactly that with the Mets, but I feel there's a little bit of, they're trying to get good athletic, versatile players to be there, not necessarily to have a lineup filled with 30 home run hitters, but to have a bunch of guys who can hit into the gap, be first to third and wait for Alonzo to, you know, go Jack one out when it's his turn to come up.
1: Well, there was so many times last year where the Mets were, you know, one of, if not the worst team in baseball, when it came to hitting with runners in scoring position. And I think the one thing that veteran experience brings is it brings guys that can, you know, hit the sacrifice fly when there's one out and a man on third. And, you know, even having Robinson can back as much as everyone's going to point at the contract. What, when you're when it's Steve Cohen's team and the contract doesn't matter as much, and he's no. just a DH and a bat off your bench. I mean, he brings a bat that I think will help the Mets in those situations as well. So, I look at the roster as a whole and so much veteran experience that you would expect that the lineup wouldn't go through the same lows they went through this past season.
0: Well, look, before we get on about the rest of it, I do want to point out something here that we need. The Mets are getting a nice little boost of energy from these veterans that are picking up. And I think it would be a great pick me up for the team. Kind of like, a built Bar. Now look at built Bars remain the best tasting protein bars out there. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness. Rich with decadent flavor. Covered in chocolate but with amazingly low in calories, net carbs, and fat. High in protein. You get the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. You got so many flavors. You got mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. My personal favorite is raspberry. Now, do you love your marshmallowy treats? You want to go dunk something in your cocoa? Grab yourself a Bilt Bar and look for some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays. You get your hands on the Bilt Bar puffs they're light, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, through and through. Different flavors all covered in chocolate. taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's 15% off at built.com. We're here with Ryan Finkelson. I didn't I was so rude. I didn't even ask you what your favorite Built bar flavor was.
1: Uh, cookies and cream is my personal favorite.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. So I I point out I love the tangy raspberry almost like jelly you know with there <laughs> that's I love that you know it's a great you know chocolate and that and um, uh, the cookies and cream is great and uh, uh, the mint brownie we're done shelling built bars right now there's no copy we're reading right now this is how much we love built bar is that that's it's right. spilled over to the actual show keep sending them keep sending them yeah, that's right keep sending them. Uh, And also, if Mercedes wants to sponsor the show, you can send me one of those. too.
1: Yeah, I'll take one as well. Sure.
0: And a a three-bedroom condo on Russian Hill in San Francisco would be great. I'd be be happy to use promo code LOCKEDON. So you brought up an interesting, uh, I guess, mind game on your recent episode of Locked On Mets because of, you know... Lindor did not have an eye-opening first season with the Mets, and which of course means, he's a bum, it's Byager all over again, he stinks. Well, maybe he just didn't have the best first year. And you made a great point on the show that oh, Lindor did have a down year. There's no getting around that. But he is a superlative talent. And most teams, with, with very few exceptions, if you had a chance to trade our shortstop for... Of Lindor most teams would jump at that based upon what he actually brings to the table and to, you know, not judge a man's ability just because he didn't have the best first year in the, in the, in Queens. And, you know, and of course there was some of the other stuff that had happened, like, you know, the, the, the booing stuff and everything, but, you know, you may talk a little bit about the fact that even though he didn't have a great first year with the Mets, uh, don't don't throw out the baby with the bathwater here.
1: Yeah, I think people are really overreacting. And, and as someone who watched Lindor play every day, I think that what we saw this season is the first two months, it was a player dealing with a $341 million contract, the burden of that. You know, you met with Steve Cohen, you had dinner, he gave you this huge check. Now you got to go play in a new place for the first time in your career in New York City, and they're booing you in game two. And it really weighed on him. But if you go from June on, he was a lot closer to the player that he's been than what people are perceiving him to be. Now he had 16 home runs from June on. If you take the 79 game sample from June on, he was a 30 home run shortstop with gold glove defense. I think any team would take that. And, and so I, I look at a player that has been the best shortstop in baseball since 2016. And I don't think it's a crazy take to say he might still be that. I know Sully, you appreciate, you know, baseball history you remember Carlos Beltran's first year at the Mets in 2005. Good. Not, same thing. It, yeah. Literally, the numbers are almost eerily similar. And then 2006, he was fourth in MVP, put up some crazy numbers, if not for Ryan Howard, and 58 home runs. Who knows? It might have been an MVP year for Beltran. But he was so much better from that point on. And I think Beltran also had to adjust to the booze and playing in New York. And I think Lindor has a similar makeup, very similar career arcs as well, starting in the AL Central. So – I think there could be a huge year for Lindor this season.
0: I, I would bring up even a more recent one, that when Bryce Harper signed the big long contract with Philadelphia, uh, he didn't exactly light the world on fire, uh, to the point where there were people this year chanting "overrated" when he came to the plate. He won the MVP this year. Exactly. He nearly single-handedly got the Phillies into the postseason. You know, this Phillies team, he nearly got. He nearly, you know, he nearly sisyphus that team into the into the postseason and so you can't always judge these contracts by the first year i mean a rod was booed like crazy his first year with the yankees to the point where like people were like oh he was such a terrible move for them he won them two mvps and almost won the 2009 world series single-handedly you know let's we forget reggie was almost booed out of town you know, he, he needed the three home, he needed that, the, the Wild World Series to win over because there was a lot of like, oh, he's, you know, he was a, uh, that, you know, New York is tough and you will get some players who immediately make a gigantic impact the nanosecond they land. But not everybody's Mike Piazza, you know? <laughs> you know, Piazza, you know, came flourishing right in, beloved Marlon came flourishing right into the Mets and not everyone's going to be that.
1: You and, know? And, and sometimes you have a UNSS, but who's great the first you know year and a half and then falls off a cliff. So I look at Lindor and it's a 10 year contract. I'm going to judge it after year four, a lot yeah. quicker than I'm going to judge it after year one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to write off a guy who was, you know, a, a, a unique talent when he was playing for Cleveland. Now, uh, I want to just say one last thing. I, I it, it, You've watched more of the presser than me involving Showalter. But one thing that I think Showalter is going to bring to the table, and I know this is the sort of thing, it sounds like I'm talking intangibles and stuff like that, which everyone rolls their eyes at. But this is a guy who has experienced New York media, has experienced being in a situation where he's clashing with ownership, clashing with the media, you know, in in very tough situations, where I was managing, uh, when the Yankees suddenly became relevant again under his watch, because they were it, people forget they, between '89 and '92, they were irrelevant. They were not even a fact. There was there, it was assumed they were going to move to New Jersey or maybe to the uh, near the Jacob Javits Center, but there's no way they're going to stay in the Bronx. And because I used to go to lots of games when I was at NYU, believe me, there was a lot of room to put your jacket down here, put your feet up and put your drink in the seat next to you. You know, the foul ball goes into the stands. It's yours. Who else is going to get it? I mean, that was a Yankee game in 91, 92. So he's familiar with that. And when there was some of the stuff that was going, part of the job of managing New York seems to be as much deflecting some of the negative attention, negative press away from the players. I think that's one of the things that Tori was brilliant at when he was managing the Yankees and Showalter Walter may have been a better equipped person to deal when some of the stuff was unraveling and there was the booing back and the bias and all that stuff happening. He might be someone who could have cut some of that off at the pass. And, yeah take some of that negative attention away from the team and you're also seeing someone who seems to be having fun with the new yorkness you know being back in new york cuz he's already needling Garrett Cole you know talking about didn't he say something like it looked like he was picking dandelions when he was pitched in the wild card game he he kind of slammed Garrett Cole already so he's already kind of like throwing a molotov cocktail at his former employer and Right there, that's taking some of the negative attention away from the players and sort of, you know, throwing it on his very thick skin.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things, and it's not necessarily that that Rojas can't be a good manager one day, but I mean, you can't buy the experience that Buck Showalter has, and particularly in this market, uh, dealing with the media. You know, when Lindor has the thumbs down controversy. Uh, you know, Buck Showalter will be able to disarm everyone with a joke here and there and, and try to push the attention away from that and not let it carry over and be a storyline for multiple days and weeks. And I think there's there's so much that the Mets can draw from his experience. He was talking today about just how he's there to service the players and he's there to, to build individual relationships with each player and see what each player needs from him. I don't think anyone is more equipped for that element of managing either, just the, the, the personalities he's come across across his long baseball career, I think he's going to be perfect to deal with all the big personalities that are surely going to be in that clubhouse this year.
0: Remember, he was the manager of the Rangers during the A-Rod lunacy. You know, and he if he could deal with that insanity, uh, I think dealing with the Mets is going to be a, a walk in the park for him. Um, look at I, – I think it's an ideal – and again, I, you make it – I mean, look at Rojas – uh, may very well be a fine manager. Um, and he obviously comes from great baseball lineage, part of the Alou Rojas uh, clan. And he just was someone, he was in an unfortunate situation. He was thrown into the midst when Beltran was suspended. So he, wasn't, he knew he was not the first, second, third, or probably even eighth choice for the job. And he went into this season under the new ownership probably thinking if he got off to a bad start he would have been fired by memorial day and yeah. so there was a little bit of his managing for his life and they were in first place until august so he probably bought himself the rest of the year but when you know when the bottom fell out i think everybody knew that you know he was you know he was all but gone but uh look at uh i'd love to see the mets do well i love to see the Mets. Uh, I think it's it's always good for, you know, Todd Rader made the great point this weekend saying baseball is always a little more interesting when both New York teams are good. And uh, and Mets fans desperately need something other than 86. I mean, my God. I mean, between 69 and 86, that, that seemed like a big gap. But, you know, let's go. Let's go. I mean, we're, we've gotten too many books about 86. It's now, you know, Tim Tuffle is writing a book, for God's sakes. Or like, you know, Ed Hearn being Carter's backup. You know, I'm sure that like every player that's that that team's been written about two deaths. So there needs to be a new team written about two deaths. And yeah. I hope and I hope you get to do it because it'd be good for your ratings.
1: <laughs> it absolutely would be. Yeah. downloads are a little better when the Mets are winning.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Downloads are a little better when there's no lockout. Oh my God, <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's true. But hey, hey, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to thank you for making Locked On MLB your first listen. we're available on all your free podcasting platforms, your second listen, do you know what that should be? That should be Locked On Mets with Ryan Finkelstein. Your third listen should be Locked On Bets with your boy Q and expert analysis from Lee Sterling, who's taking care of all your gambling needs. Hey, talking about – oh, Brian, I'm going to plug your show. Where can people find you, and where can people find uh, where to find the show?
1: You can find Locked On Mets wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also follow the show at Locked On Mets. All
0: right, and as always, you can follow us. At Lockdown MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Getting together to talk about the new hire of the Mets manager, Buck Showalter, with Ryan Finkelstein of On Mets. This has been Lockdown MLB for the 22nd day of December 2021. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Let's go, Mets. And you can call me Sully.